You're listening to the Blank Page Podcast. I'm your host, Paige Patterson, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. This is a space where I get to talk to creatives, entrepreneurs, and storytellers about what it means to be on a creative path, how to deal with the high highs and the low lows, and how to stay well along the way. As a creative myself, I am no stranger to riding the roller coaster, to discreetly crying on the subway slash not so discreetly crying in my car, being focused on results, getting in my head, and just not having a good time. So my hope with this show is that we can all create a community where we lift each other up, remember that we are not alone, and feel fortified in returning to that proverbial blank page again and again. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy today's episode. Hello, darling friends. So this episode was a great, great one. I did it with my husband, the love of my world, Mr. John Garrett Greer. He honestly was doing me a solid because it was right after I had decided to just start scheduling interviews. And he came home from work and like got in his soft pants and was fully ready for us to watch Downton Abbey. And I was like, nope, dude, you're the guinea pig. Let's do a podcast interview. So, you know, this is one of the early ones, not perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but, um, you know, I think that it was a lot more freeform. There might be more structure in place as it goes on, but I think if you're a voyeur, you're really going to enjoy this one because you get a little bit of a glimpse into what it's like to be home with John and I sitting on the couch drinking a tequila drink, which was so good. He mixed like tequila with the Trader Joe's sparkling coconut water with yuzu and it was bomb 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 also I mentioned at the beginning of this episode but we had recorded nearly half of an interview before and we realized that I had not hit record which is precisely why we were doing that interview in the first place to just get used to using the equipment and doing the damn thing but I think there are some really sweet nuggets and I'm so inspired by John and his ability to find presence and to not have all of his happiness and joy hinged on the outcome of a career. So I hope you guys enjoy. Give John some love. If you want to follow him, you can find him on Instagram at John, J-O-H-N, Garrett, G-A-R-R-E-T-T, Greer, G-R-E-E-R, at John Garrett Greer. He's a good guy. You should be friends with them. I hope everyone's having a great week and enjoy this goofy episode betwixt husband and wife. So, full disclosure. Let's see if it does the thing again. John Garrett Greer and I started recording his interview, or so we thought. The started recording part never happened. Yeah, so we just did a what I think was a pretty bomb-ass interview. I went from ages like four until 27. We're doing it again. We're uh, doing it again. I've so, already had my entire tequila drink. Hot dog. Okay. I also did a whole spiel. I mean, there was so much. You did. You had a really solid intro. God damn. Okay, so... Ladies and germs, welcome to the blank the page more you know. podcast. So I'm here with my partner, best buddy in this life, and husband, you know, all the things. Mr. She's John on Garrett Greer. She's on my emergency contact info. Oh, I know. I really came home today. Did that give you all the feels? It was so cute. I was like, I came home from work and he had filled out 
a bunch of paperwork for a catering job. And I saw his little scrawly handwriting. Horrible handwriting. Put my name, uh, well, not even, yeah, I guess my name under like emergency contact. And yeah, it was like so relationship. And it was like wife. And I was like, fuck, like so cute. <laughs> Just gave me all the feels. <laughs> I don't know. It really made me think like, oh, you're so, um, like, I guess I don't think of my title as your wife often. Because we're such friends that just like you don't think of yourself as like how do you think of yourself as like someone's hu- like Paige's husband yes i don't know i guess I, I don't know it just looked very romantic seeing it there. that's nice how pissed off would you have been if i put my mom not pissed off i just would have been like oh, i stole a child oh my god wow if he gets hurt he wants someone to call his mommy well, i mean i get it kathy she's She's on top of things, but uh, she lives so far away. What the fuck would she do? <laughs> but I kind of would have been like, is this because I didn't change my name or whatever? No, no. For those who don't know, uh, Paige, when we got married, did not take my last name. And I was in full. Much to my dad's chagrin. Oh, was he bummed about that? I, I was like, I'm keeping your name. He was like, why aren't you doing that? He's old fashioned. Yeah. But uh, as an actor, you know, the alliteration of your name, Paige Patterson. It's so perfect. It's a good name. Yeah. I feel like a Paige Patterson. But the funny thing, too, was that you suggested, you're like, you know, you you could take my name, to which my name would be John Patterson. Fuck that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Hi, I'm John Patterson. <laughs> yes. uh, oh, yeah, I like to act. Oh Definitely. I don't know where this accent is. Yeah, what from. the hell? That's kind of offensive to my people, my clan. White people? <laughs> no. Patterson. I know. I made you guys sound like you're all from Fargo. Yeah, truly. Uh, Oh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with being from Fargo. Okay, so. Nothing wrong with being on the show Fargo. As I mentioned, we fully thought we had recorded like a half hour of an interview. So we're going to try to do this again without having it be too canned. It's it's going to be a little summarized. John is doing me a big solid here. I am so excited. I've had this idea for a podcast in the works for almost a year now and I took a course and I was all excited about it and I bought the equipment and all the things and I mean we've had a lot we've been doggy paddling through life together for a little bit now we've had a lot of transition this year we moved from New York City to LA at the beginning of the year in January it's now almost October yeah we've uh moved like three times i think in the last year we are finally in our own place and that's great we've cycled okay cats are jumping places we've cycled through day jobs and we're just you know we're finding our way so it's been i think i've been waiting to like get to this place where i'm gonna feel like i've like landed and i can start this podcast which is just not realistic so I am doing the artist's way for the third time. And I'm just like, now it's the time. I, I I fancy myself a gatherer of creative people. I think I'm pretty good at like cultivating people and making good, inspiring friends. And so at this point, it's not about reaching high and trying to like keep this podcast high profile or have all these plans. The great thing about a podcast is that it's like you can... It, It can evolve. You can make it whatever you want it to be. But the inspiration behind this is I had a total slump for a little while. 
Um, and something that kept me inspired was listening to interviews and stories of resilience. And I get so much comfort and joy out of sitting down with people and hearing their stories and just being in good company. So I wanted to create a space with this podcast for creatives, entrepreneurs, and storytellers where people can talk about their journey, the highs and lows of it. Um, I really want to emphasize that it's not linear. Growth, success, none of it is linear. And I think that hearing individuals' stories and accounts is really helpful. I also want this to be a space where people can talk about the practices and um, things that they do to stay well and healthy and to keep their stamina up because any pursuit, especially a creative pursuit, requires so much stamina. Um, so yeah, so let's talk about you and your creative journey and your practices and all the things. Let's start at the beginning. Let's start with tiny John Garrett Greer. Where is he born? Where is he from? What does he like to do? Uh, tiny John Garrett Greer is born in Livermore, California in the Bay Area. And uh, he likes to keep to himself. He's uh, very quiet, very, 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 very shy. Um, it didn't like keep me completely from not doing like group activities. Like I was very into little league when I was a kid, but I at the same time like hated watching baseball. Loved playing it, hated watching it. Not the most exciting thing, dude. Lack of a time limit, uh, I think, really, really hurts it. Uh, don't at me, all baseball. Fans. Very fun to go see a baseball game, though. So much fun, atmosphere, great. Yeah. Um, but as you would have known if you had listened to <laughs> the side of this, that the we OG, the OG that we did not record. This is the second draft. This is two point Oh my gosh, it's gonna be great. Um, I was telling Paige that I think my first foray into any form of performing started with my love of wrestling not collegiate high school wrestling uh professional wrestling mm -hmm. yeah i was super into it as, as a kid learned luckily very quickly uh from someone that it was fake and that intrigued me because i was like oh they're acting that's cool it's, it's all like it's a show that's fun so I would uh, take figurines and like stage matches in my bedroom. Got very into it. Was very interested in like the the broadcast of it, and the announcers and just the whole show. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty sure at some point I decided I was going to be a professional wrestler. Luckily, that fizzled out really quickly. Um, but that was the beginning of me playing characters, like taking on personas and then probably not until uh late in high school did it really come back in the form of me taking an improv class and that's when uh people and friends of mine uh told me to audition for plays and musicals while i was in high school and then uh it was kind of off to the races after that what were you any kind of kid in high school like i hate to make it seem like everyone I belongs to a social group but did uh, you identify as any type of kid in high school not really who did you hang with not really if anything i would say that i was an outcast but that's that's not true yeah i don't think i was an outcast the funny thing about it is i i think most kids in middle school or high school would identify as outcasts when they're actually not um 
because everyone feels a little bit like because we all have a, this sense of like no one understands me and uh i i don't really have a lot of friends it's like all of us feel very misunderstood in in middle school and high school or forever or forever <laughs> Who knows? We, it's very hard for us all to be like, nobody feels the problems I do. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But also, like, nobody's you, so. Yeah. Your problems are unique. Yeah. But don't think that other people don't feel them in some way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. Life lessons. Um, With John Gray? No, I, I would not say that I, I was really part of any uh, group or clique or whatever. Uh, near the end of senior year, I most of my friends were drama kids. But I didn't necessarily think I was a drama kid because I came into it really late. I always looked at them as like better at acting than I was. Mm. I was like, yeah, I just kind of hang out with you guys because you're fun and you all have great personalities. I pop on stage every now and again. You're all really loud and I'm not. Oh, yeah. I'm shy. Oh, my God. So like I can just kind of listen to you guys talk. You could spot a group of drama kids at Denny's post show like a mile away. It makes me shudder yeah. to this day. I'm like, I'm oh, ashamed. God. I was that. We get yeah. it. You like performing. So annoying. Learn restraint. Oh, my God. But also don't. Like, be the sparkle human that you were born to be. But maybe just do it for yourself, not for the whole community. Yeah. To see. Do it if it feels good. Don't do it to impress others. I'm still trying to figure this lesson out for myself. So I'm going to Are we all? Anyway, video games. Let's talk about video games a little bit. Oh, yeah. Just to add to sort of my dork chic. um, On top of the really, really awesome genre of professional wrestling that I loved as a kid, uh, I was, uh, you know, lifelong video game nerd. Um, And how did that play into your love of storytelling? It plays into my love of storytelling because uh, I feel like the majority of games that I really liked were ones that had great stories behind them. So generally, uh, role-playing games um, and things that were long, drawn out, and story-driven. Um, yet again, in version 1.0, I told a story about uh, probably the first time where I like hardcore cried. And uh, let it be known that I don't think I really cried during movies or anything like that at this point in my life. But but like Final Fantasy VII made me cry pretty hard. For all those who played games, uh, when Eris gets killed by Sephiroth, like you'll understand, it was it was heartbreaking. You really thought that she was going to be like, you know, I, I don't even know how to explain it for someone who never played the game, but yeah, she really was like deep in your heart, and then the creator of that game just took her away from you. Rough stuff. Brutally. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. That's not how this was supposed to go down. So wrestling and video games, really. Nerd. I mean, yeah, but also whatever. But also they were great. Yeah. Like I say to this day, um, to those who are my age who still keep up with video game culture and like, you know, buy new systems and are always talking about different games. um, They're always like, do you keep with it? I'm like, no, I don't. Firstly, because it's really expensive. Mm hmm. But also because I really do sink way too much time into it because mm. I, I think I have a very determined personality. You don't have healthy boundaries with your system. That's not at all what I was going <laughs> to say, but thanks. Um, no, I, I think that when I set out to finish something, I, I want to finish it. 
and if I have a bunch of free time, I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just going to get this done. Um, I think I have much more healthy boundaries now that I'm an adult than when I was younger. Because when you're younger and you have a lot of free time, I was so like... So much free time when you're young. So much. And in my case, maybe more than I should have had. Like, I was like, I got this homework, but I could sink another two hours of gameplay into this thing. Oh, wow, it's midnight. <laughs> I don't guess I don't get to do my homework. guess I'm late for school. Yeah, so... Um, they, they're like, uh, would you ever think about, like, you know, buying an Xbox? And I was like, I think I couldn't. That and I think my wife would be pretty pissed at me if I came home and or she came home. And I was just like, look what I got. You know, it would be a challenge for me and my own bullshit. I always joke around, though, that uh, I, would, be I, like, would, come, oh I would come I would I would come home and you'd be like, I'm doing so good in this game. Me? Mm. It'd have to be the right game, though. Yeah, I guess so. After high school, what happens? You kind of you kind of accidentally sink your way into or sink well sneak your way into some plays. Sneak, <laughs> yeah. Not on the merit of my talent, but I snuck in to a musical in particular. You only did one musical in high school. I did one musical in high school. It was Anything Goes. Mm -hmm. I was in the ensemble. Perfect. Um, Were you doing some tap dancing? No, there was only one kid in that play. Who could tap dance? There was always that one kid in high school who had like the special dance skill. I'm, I'm sorry. And got like a solo. That's not fair. There were probably five people who could tap dance. Uh, four of them were girls and one of them was a guy. Mm -hmm. But he was the only one who actually had taps on his shoes. The, the ladies wore character shoes. Uh huh. So it's like clunking and not uh, tapping. Um, but he was particularly good at it like clearly had trained at a young age so we they wanted to like showcase that but nobody else tapped um we just clapped hands in formation and beautiful looked, looked silly did did the wha wha what's Lots the one piece of shit harmonies oh probably not we none of us were in a, no probably not um what what's the really horrendous move it's like if there was a top 10 list of really terrible uh community theater musical dance moves like number one would be paddle turn n i don't even know what that is box step box step is definitely number one number one <laughs> fucking awful but the uh, number two would be when you clap to one diagonal bless to the next diagonal, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, yeah, to yeah 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 just hit the mic oh my god there were a lot there was lots of that mm -hmm. during like yeah blow gabriel blow. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I'm doing it now. I have been in two separate musical theater touring troops in my life. One was in high school. It was called Broadway Bound, and then I did another one. I was called in something called Broadway Bound. Troop. You were. Yeah. Oof, and Which you go and visit the old folks' homes and do all that stuff. As a full-fledged theater geek now, I'm like, didn't these people know there was a play called Broadway Bound? Like, mm. they didn't care. They're just like, I'm doing a mishmash like, of a no, musical. These kids here. I'll call it Broadway Bound. These children they are, bound are Broadway Bound. For Broadway. Broadway. Um, There's a Broadway in many cities other than New York. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> they might not be on that I Broadway. I am on Broadway. In a small town in Colorado. It's real fun, too, when your family... Uh, I'm going to skip ahead real quick here to when we eventually got to grad school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and well, I was asking when you started as an actor or when you were going to grad school, 
as a young person who decided acting, this is what I want to do as a career. What did you see? What was your projected your movie projection of yourself, your life and your career? What were what was the dream? Oh god, I wish this was more grandiose, but I basically looked at acting and went, I think I can make money doing this. Good for you. That's it, dope. It might not be a ton, but I bet I can make a living doing this. Wow. I bet that So you did not have limiting beliefs that a lot of people do, which is like, oh, you want to be an actor? You'll never make money. Like, you didn't have that. Well, the funny thing was uh, maybe one of the best lessons that I learned uh, going to the acting conservatory that I went to after high school, which was this thing called the Actor Training Program. Uh, it was through a community college that I went to, and it was basically to get people ready for the type of training you would receive in an acting conservatory. Um, in a real one, meaning uh, at a four-year uh, university or at a MFA program. Um, I met a lot of working actors in the Bay Area who were also teachers of this program because it's, it's pretty tough in a place like the Bay Area to be a working, just a flat-out working actor. That's all you do without teaching on the side. Um, but I saw them doing it. And I was like, I could do that. Sure, that, yeah. I don't, sure, I don't want to teach, but, like, that's an option to me. I could, I could teach if I wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I, I just saw people doing it, so I thought it, th- that it's within my grasp. Sure, it'd probably take me a couple of years to get much better at it than I was at the time, at, you know, being 19 years old. But, yeah, I never really had any doubts that I, I could do it professionally. I didn't think that I was going to be the next Laurence Olivier. Did you have dreams of fame, or were you just like, I no. just want to work consistently? See, I, I think that's so I amazing. I just wanted to work consistently. You're still like that. I'm, s- I'm still like that to a certain degree. Like, the idea of fame still kind of scares me. Yeah, I get that. Still kind of scares me. I, w- I would, as unamazing as it may sound, I would really love to just make a really good living and for me to be able to go to the grocery store without people knowing who I am. Mm-hmm. Be able to take your kids to school. Yes. Yeah. But there, the, that's, there are a lot of different levels of that. Like I, I think you can be recognizable in many, many ways. And I don't really know where I was going with that, but continue. So that was your your goal for yourself so you go to Solano yeah go and do the actor training program what kind of plays do you do at Solano do you have any memorable roles experiences how do you feel like you grew there all kinds um it was two years uh four days a week about six hours a day so you do two too bad not too bad you would do two classes and each class would be about three two and a half hours and we had like an hour break um so yeah, not not too crazy, and it was like, it started at noon, so you know it, it wasn't like an early morning thing because we d- we actually had a couple people who were still in their senior year, and they had like a uh, a smaller schedule at high school, and then would come and do this. It was great. Uh, the first year, I think, like Mondays and Wednesdays, we did a scene study class where we did American classics, your Tennessee Williams, your Arthur Millers. And then we would have, like, a musical theater class, which uh, I luckily learned very quickly that I wasn't good at, thankfully. 
Uh, there was a dance class two days a week. It started with ballet. I think they put they specifically put ballet in the first year to like weed out a couple people. Because hmm. we started with like thirty people, and they're like, ideally we want like sixteen. Mm. And uh, it it did happen eventually. Like a bunch of people dropped out, and we're like, eh, I'm not really into this. But it wasn't necessarily because of ballet. Uh, and I digress. Um, that we had a uh, Shakespeare class and another classical one. I think it was like Greek tragedies. And, and who, which roles did you tackle? Oh boy. Um, I don't remember much from my first year because it was mostly just scene study. But when we actually had to do full blown plays, I think the one that's jumping out of me right now is there is a play by Charles Mee, Chuck Mee, called Big Love. Mm-hmm. And I played a character named Giuliano, who was a bit of a fop in the play, like a bit of a fancy man. And uh, I just remember having a lot of fun with that and having no clue what I was doing, but uh, directed by a really, really great uh, guy named Robert Parsons, who is a massive Chuck Mee fan and sort of just st- steered me in the right direction. And how long that program was two years? That was two years. And then you went on to do what? And then I <laughs> went on to do jack shit for about a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily, that was one of the greatest points of my life because um, at th- uh, up until that point, you know, high school and beyond, I was kind of floating on the breeze and was like, I want to be an actor, but I don't really know how to do it. I'm also way too full of myself to ask anyone, like, how, how do you make mm. this happen? And I didn't really do well in high school, so, like, I'm just going to just keep doing what I'm doing. Like, I'm, people are casting me in these, like, community theater plays, and, like, those are fun to do. And so, like, I'll just keep doing that, and then maybe something will happen. Because, you know, when you're in your early, early 20s, like, A plus B equals 12, right? You're just like, oh, yeah, someone will totally discover me doing a community theater play. Um. So after I got a ATP, I thought, okay, well, the next step is I should probably move out of my parents' place because that's not cool living there. And it was about that time that I was like, wow, doing anything without a college degree is really difficult. And I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere and I probably need to get serious with my life. So right around the time that I was 22 or 23, I was like, okay, uh, I should go back to Solano and uh, take some normal courses and get my grades up so I can eventually transfer to a four-year school, Uh, which is what I did. I went to UC Davis after putting in two years of regular schooling at Solano and transferred into their theater program. And I did, I went to Davis specifically because... um, at the advice of my mom, who went to Davis as well, she was like, you know, it's a really great, well-rounded school, and you should go there and uh, just get that out of the way. Because at that point, I also knew for some reason that I really wanted to go to grad school. Because I was like, that's the kind of training I'm going to get. Like, I, I had an ATP, except for real. Mm-hmm. Like, it's they're really going to train me how to be an actor. Not to say the ATP didn't, but I didn't really have the... Uh, age or the mental uh, capacity or gravitas to really understand what they were trying to teach me at the time. So I was like, yeah, 
great. I will put in two years at Davis and then I'll start auditioning for grad schools. And that's what I did. And great. And then uh, auditioned for grad schools in my final year at Davis. Um, I think I auditioned for five or six. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I, you know, like any dope, I looked up the ten top ten grad schools at the time. There was uh, NYU, Yale, which I actually didn't end up auditioning for, and I'll I'll get into that later. Um, so there was NYU. There were two schools in San Diego, UCSD and uh, USD. Uh, and at the time, I think those were my top choices. I was like really into them for some reason, probably because they pay for everything. Mm-hmm put a footnote there called grad school loans that we'll get back to. <laughs> um, who else did I auditioned for ACT, the San Francisco school, because I was like, oh, I could stay local. That'll be fun. Um, there was a conservatory program in Denver, which is now defunct. Mm-hmm. And it actually went defunct the year I auditioned mm-hmm. for it. I remember that one. And uh, I was really bummed about that. Not that they wanted me, but like I was really bummed because that was another free program. And I was like, how sad. Actors losing another really awesome place to train. Uh, I think that might have been all of them. And then on a whim, uh, or rather because a friend of mine told me that they were, um, how do I put this eloquently? I can't. They were auditioning people for free. Every school uh, has an application fee. So you're basically paying to audition. And this school was just doing free auditions. And that school was Columbia. Damn, I paid for mine. Sorry. Shit. Long story short, uh, one school was interested in calling me back. And that was Columbia. Uh, their callback was the same day as one of our performances. So I couldn't go to the actual callback date. Which was amazing. So I wasn't there. Um, but I couldn't go to the callback date. Uh, so I emailed um, the program. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, uh, I just I can't skip out on this performance. And they were like, that's fine. Uh, there are three other people who also can't go. So we're making an alternative callback date. Uh, which I could go to because it was just during tech. Uh, so I super duper quickly flew out to New York and uh, did my callback, which was the same day they were auditioning people in New York. So I, f- I felt really weird because everyone there was just auditioning for the first time. And they told me, they're like, don't tell people you're there for a callback. Just, you know, act as if you're just there for the mm-hmm. regular audition. So, you know, people were asking me all these questions and like, I was like, oh yeah, I'm so nervous, which I, to be fair, I was, mm-hmm. but I was also like super excited because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm almost there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also at the time didn't know who I was in the callback with. I was just like, who is it? Mm-hmm. Cause for some reason I felt like, you know, I had to kill my competition oh or my something. God. Such an antiquated way of thinking. I know. Terrible. I'm setting us back. Uh, but I did my callback, and I felt really, really good about it. And then uh, I went back home to California, and uh, they called me and let me know I got in. So then you go to grad school. So I went to grad school. Oh, God. 
How do I summarize that one? You don't even have to. We don't, you know, don't have to talk about grad school. Definitely one of the coolest experiences of my life. Um, being so many years removed from it, there were definitely things that uh, I had trumped up in my mind going there that were not true. Um, I have definitely changed my opinion on what it is to go to acting grad school, but it doesn't change the fact that it was a really crazy, awesome experience. And uh, I like to tell people that if I ever were to get famous for any reason, or at least famous enough that someone would want to like bring me on to their late night show, and they were like, what advice would you give to young actors? I would say, be very careful about where you go to school. Hmm. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the amount of uh, student debt that I'm in now. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would always preface it by saying uh, I was given the greatest prize on earth going to Columbia, which was meeting my wife. Oh, thanks, babe. Well, it's true. I know. We got a pretty good deal out of it's it. It's a priceless, priceless yeah, thing. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Cut to me on somebody else's podcast being like, before my wife left me. Oh, my God. I thought that. Uh, I have know. no plans to leave you. So. Oh, I'm glad you don't have any plans. Yeah, no plans. It's what was the biggest thing that you took away from Columbia? How did Columbia help your growth? How did it foster your creativity? Ooh, good question. Um, that's hard. I'm. It sounds terrible, but I'm having trouble uh, thinking of ways that they fostered my creativity. I definitely learned a lot of great acting lessons How there. How is your creativity challenged? Challenged. Maybe you've asked more. Uh, I mentioned in version 1.0 of this that uh, I'd always had a, a, a penchant for uh, like memorizing scripts and learning lines and things like that. And I had one faculty member say, like, do you ever feel like maybe you're a bit rigid in your performance because you memorize things so quickly? And I was like, ooh, good point. So my fluidity and sort of loosey-goosiness was definitely uh, challenged, like to be spontaneous on stage or uh, behind the camera, in front of the camera rather, uh, was a challenge for me. And I feel like in some facets, uh, classes at Columbia help with that. So little emphasis was on camera work though. So Mm -hmm. I think the greatest lesson that I learned through Columbia, and it wasn't at Columbia because it was after, was the things that happened to me in the aftermath of leaving school. Because in uh, pretty much all acting grad schools, I think, you have a showcase Mm -hmm. where you put up some really quick little scenes for prospective casting directors and agents and managers. For the industry. For the industry, yeah. People come, if you're lucky. They'll come and watch your school's showcase. The goal is to get everyone representation, to get people started in the business. It's kind of like a big dead ball for actors in their schools. Exactly. Uh, At the time, it was extremely nerve-wracking, and, you know, uh, we're all just kind of scrambling around like chickens with our heads cut off, and it wasn't fun. No, and it's such a shift from when you're in grad school, everything is at least our experience was it's very artistic and you have you know what I like to say is that you're paying all that money if you're like us and unfortunately had to pay all that money to take three years off of your life to really just focus 
on doing the thing and on your technique and you know because you think about now we're all auditioning and we're doing all these day jobs to support that yeah and you get to just work on the craft yeah. and be with yourself for three years so what's crazy is that probably and then you transition into this other thing yeah which is the business in years one and two i i don't want to speak for everybody but i certainly thought for myself that like i didn't really question that i was going to get out of grad school and not work mm -hmm. i thought if anything i was like well maybe the work that i do won't be that great mm -hmm. but i feel like i'm gonna get out of here and i'm gonna book some some good work and until eventually leads to better work this seems to be like a theme i feel like before everything before the real world you were just quite confident oddly confident that like maybe ignorantly this was confident. just going to be a career for you that you could just make money doing this yeah i didn't i just didn't have a lot of doubt in myself mm -hmm. and it uh, I, c I can honestly say it wasn't any form of arrogance i didn't think that i was so much better than anyone else in my class or that i was more suited to the industry than anyone else i just it was so easy for me to see myself doing it um so the important lesson that was learned is that you know between years one and two i was just like yeah that's gonna happen and then a great deal of doubt was introduced to me in the third year in the form of just you know faculty members saying like you know if uh you don't get reps right out of school the likelihood of you giving up on this is really high <laughs> maybe not the best advice to be mm -hmm, given mm -hmm. um or you know in like the graduation speech that we got where you know the speaker said that uh you know you guys are you need to be open <laughs> literally showed us like statistics of brought out a fucking <laughs> pie chart being like you know artists <laughs> usually don't end up in the type of art they strive oh to God. do which, firstly, I want to say, whether that is true or not, and it probably is, not what I wanted to hear from my Well, not at that speech. point. That's deeply painful because you have, like, these very rigid ideas of yeah. what you're going to do, and you have no clue that it, this is, like, yeah. such a winding road of a journey. And, and maybe it's wrong for me to be like, you're supposed to be inspiring us, yeah. not giving us reality. Yeah. But it was how I felt. I was just like, man, this yeah. is not what I expected from a graduation speech. So then after graduation, so then after what, is, what does life look like for you? Yeah, so uh, showcase ended and I did not get reps, uh, not even like interest. Um, and was that your expectation? No. Yeah. No, I thought I'd be, I thought I would be okay. I did at the end get really worried because I was just like, what if I don't get an agent? Oh, that's going to be hard. Everyone's telling me that it's going to be so much harder if I don't. Mm -hmm. But I was like, ah, I feel like I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. Um, and, like, I took, like, one agent meeting after out of school, but it was really uh, not ideal. Like, they just, they, they, I, it, it felt like they had made a mistake. Like, they're like, like, I got into their office and they were like, were we supposed to call the other guy? <laughs> this guy doesn't look like the <laughs> person we were supposed to call. How do we end this quickly? Oh it was so nice meeting you. Mm. Well, all right. Rough. Yeah. That it, it, it ended so abruptly and quickly that I was like, did they call him the wrong guy? Mm. Did they think it was the other guy? Um, so 
the thing that I had become a little bit worried about at the end of third year uh, became a reality. I was like, okay, so now I'm out of school and I, I have no reps and uh, I'm probably going to end up giving up on this after time. Um, but luckily, you know, I was like, that nah, doesn't have to be my reality. I don't have to give up on this. Uh, and it may be hard, but, you know, isn't this how it's supposed to go? Like, I'm, I'm being faced with adversity. Uh, so, like, what what kind of person am I if I just give up now? Mm-hmm. I think it's also fair to mention that I really feel like this was the first time in my life that I was faced with this type of adversity. Mm-hmm. So, I'm like, wow, I've been so lucky up mm-hmm. until this point. Super privileged. Uh, a lot of people told me that uh, you auditioned for grad school multiple times. I was lucky enough to get in the first time. Um, I went my whole actor life up until this point without anyone questioning what I was doing why I was doing it or more importantly the fact that like I was just floating on the breeze going from dead end job to dead end job just to support doing community theater without being like you need to get your fucking life together no one had opposed me and in hindsight maybe it would have been good if somebody opposed me but I was thankful that it never happened because it gave me just so much freedom in my life. So now I felt like I was really faced with the first bit of adversity. Like now you have to figure out what to do when things aren't easy for you. Mm -hmm. So I just, I was in New York just working a day job and, uh, God, three years went by, um, before I had my first, opportunity of getting a- any type of rep and it was uh doing a play uh one of my cast members had a manager and uh his manager came and saw the play and uh long story short was basically like yeah i'd work with you and he's my manager mm-hmm. and uh from that a couple months went by and he got me an audition for a tv show and I was very lucky to book that first role. And uh, that was the coolest experience ever, ever, being on Luke Cage. Uh, before Luke Cage, what do you think that you learned about how to stay on this path? Was there ever a point when you were like, maybe I don't want to do this? No, there was never a point where I said like should I start thinking about moving on from this um, and I don't know whether to chalk that up to determination or just wonderfully blind ignorance but when you're moving along in your day to day or at least when I'm moving along in my day to day I can become very focused and uh, just very engrossed in whatever's happening to me at that particular moment so if I'm at my day job that I'm doing purely to support trying to become an actor in New York I try to do it to the best of my ability and if nothing comes up in that day where I get to be a performer it never really bothered me I I hear this a lot from actors where they're like god it's just so hard because I I haven't had the opportunity to be an actor in in months and weeks and years um I feel that sometimes, 
but most of the time I'm just trying to focus on being happy. Yeah, I think you're able to access presence pretty well. And you're able to accept your circumstances, I yeah. think. A lot of I, another thing I hear from actors that I, I I won't be happy doing anything else but acting. And uh, I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't be as happy doing anything else. I don't think I would be as happy doing any other career than being an actor. But I don't know when this happened, but it was one of the most important things I've realized in my life. I will not let my career dictate my happiness. I don't want anything to dictate my happiness but me. Mm-hmm. So if someday it comes along and I decide that I can't be an actor or I shouldn't be or I just don't want to be anymore, it's not going to dictate my happiness. Because ultimately to me, my happiness is the most important thing in my life, not being an actor. Um, it's very important, and especially at this point in my life, it is extremely important. But that could change. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just know it might. But for now, yeah, it is the most important thing. And as you're pursuing this thing that feels like the most important thing, how do you feel like... I mean, I think your mindset is a lot of it, but how do you maintain balance? What are things that keep you in the right mindset? How mm. do you decompress? How do you balance having a day job and pursuing this? How do you keep enough energy for all of it? Firstly, I think, kind of going back to when people saying, like, I don't get to be an actor today. Um, the things I do that make me feel like an actor or like, for example, anything could be geared towards you being an actor. Anytime that I go to the gym, not only am I doing it for just personal physical fitness, but also because I think you should be healthy and in good shape when you're an actor, Uh, or at least I think it's important for me. So most of the time, my motivation to go to the gym is because I want to move further in my career. It also helps when you got all these good care of your instrument, your particular instrument. Yes. Certainly helps that there's all these Marvel movies out there where, you know, Thor looks like a god. He is a god (laughs) in the movie. That's why he looks like a god. But you're like, wow, I guess I got to be in great shape when. If you want to be a superhero. Yeah. Certainly everyone in the industry always has a little more attention on you and they're like, oh, you're really fit. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. That's something I can cast you as. That's great. Um, and anytime I go to my silly little day job, I look at it as like, oh, well, you know, if I don't have an audition this day, at least I want to be making money so that I don't have to worry about money so I can focus more on my acting career. I think of my mind literally as, um, mental storage and the, the least amount that I can put concerning my day job in my mental storage the better if i don't have to think a great deal if i don't have to be emotionally attached a great deal to the things in my life that aren't acting then i'm moving along the right path there are certainly things in my life that i need to give a lot of attention i'm looking at one of them right now hi hi i require a lot of attention but it's not untrue 
But it also helps because you're an actor. Yeah. So you, in a sense, are a very strong anchor for me as well. Because you're my best friend and my wife. And we're both striving towards the same career. Yeah. You're also a big uh, source of inspiration for me because I would say that you're much further along in your career than I am. I don't know about that. I think anyone would disagree. Um, in that you've worked a lot more than I have. Yeah. And uh, I think people know you more than they know me. Well, I'm a social butterfly. That's also true. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> You're also particularly good. Like, this is just a microcosm of what I'm talking about, this podcast. But you are so good at um, bringing people around that are in an inspiration people so who important people you have to who expand you. you have to see to believe yeah. you have to see to believe there's no there's no way to and i subscribe to this whole other thing which i'm sure i'll talk about a lot on this podcast but um i i believe that you have to surround yourself with people who are doing the thing you want to do absolutely and um you know become a peer and surround yourself with people who are being amazing. Yeah. It's it's so I We're think also so good people. Totally. But I think it's so antiquated to be like, oh, people who are doing well make me feel insecure. I'm like, no, bring me all the people who are doing better than I am because I wanna level up and Absolutely. Bring them around me because I'm yeah. ready to ascend, honey. Yeah. So you said staying fit makes you feel super inspired. Definitely a big anchor for me. Yeah. At, th at the very least, just to release endorphins. Like yeah. If, if my number one goal for to just at the end of the day to say like, oh, I'm just happy today. Yeah. That's a great source. Just get off your ass and, you know, do whatever you do that is your form of fitness. And what kind of content are you consuming on the regular to stay inspired? What kind of TV, books, film, podcasts? Well, we are currently I know. deep diving into Downton Abbey. Yeah, this is this is uh, cutting into our Downton Abbey night. It's okay because it's your Friday, and I don't Friday. give it. It's not my Friday, Friday, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> um, that's kind of taking up all of our time right now because, at least in the TV watching realm, because generally we watch about three or four shows at a time. Yeah, a lot. I feel like one of them always takes precedence over the others. Yeah. But then uh, we have to wait for episodes, mm -hmm. and, you know, so we end up watching a lot of things. But right now, uh, we are not I – I wouldn't say binging because at most we watch two episodes a night. Yeah. But we are trying to get through it. We are trying to get through it because the movie's out now. We really want to see it. It would be, it'd be pretty cool to see it in theater – but yeah. I don't know if we're going to make it. We're going to make it. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's taking up most of my watching. Uh, Podcast-wise, you know, I'm uh, a basic bro as it gets. I, I listen to Joe Rogan because, like, that's when I'm in my car and just listening to something while sitting in traffic. That That's it. Because uh, he has – I don't really need to explain what, what's so great about his, his thing. Like, he's had a number one podcast for so long. Mm -hmm. I just think he – creates interesting conversations with a huge like range of people mm -hmm. he has 
stand-up comedians on a show. He has people like Neil deGrasse Tyson on a show. He has just, he had, uh, oh God, why can't I remember his fucking name? The head of Tesla. No? Musk. Elon Musk. Thank you. Musk, <laughs> she says. She just blankly looked at me and went, Musk. <laughs> Not like Musk, you idiot, but like searching, searching, <laughs> searching. Musk. In the moment. Um, so I think he has a wonderful podcast. Very, very divisive, unfortunately. A lot of people hate it. Not my thing, but definitely I not your thing. That game. He had Bernie Sanders on recently. Yeah. Thought that was really amazing. What do you want to accomplish in the next year? In the next year? Yeah. That's really funny. I don't, I don't necessarily know. And uh, maybe that's good. The re- and the reason why I don't know is because I don't think I f- I uh, function in ways of just like I definitely want to accomplish such and such and such and such amount of time now some might think of that as like not being that might be why you (laughs) remain pretty happy it might that uh, that kind of goes along with what i was going to say uh or why at an old age i might be extremely unhappy (laughs) um unaccomplished seriously somewhere along the line um because i'm a uh, i am i have become a very focused person a very determined person. I realized that if I put expectations on myself that I did not have a hundred percent control of, when and if I didn't accomplish that thing that I want to do in such and such amount of time, I'd be extremely disappointed in myself and um, would just beat myself up about it. And nothing good would come out of it. Nothing positive would come up about it. I have lifelong goals. Like I would, I want to be a professional actor. I want to make a living being an actor. You already are a professional actor. Yes. You're not always working. I want to make a, a I want to make actor. a very good living being a professional actor and nothing else. I'm not putting a timeline on that goal because I've asked myself that it, it, if it happens when I am 50 years old, 55 years old, 60 years old, would it have been worth it? Yes. Yes, it would. Will that change? Maybe. It might. Right now, I can say that at 36. But by the time I'm 50, you know, wherever I am in my life when I am 50, I might say, God, how silly it was of me to think that. And that's sort of the basis of why I don't try to put timed expectation. The only expectations I have are things that I want to accomplish over my lifetime. And also be able, flexible enough with myself to understand that times change and I'm going to change and my expectations will change. What do you feel like when you've done a scene successfully? Accomplished. And just good. Yeah. Like confident in myself because we as actors unfortunately need constant reminders that we're good enough and that we're sufficient enough Mm -hmm. so I get a moment of being like you're good enough 
You ready for some rapid fire questions sure, to close go, it out? Go for it. What's your favorite book? Uh, the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. If you could have any food right now, what would it be? I would say um, I ate food at work, so it would probably have to be something sweet. Uh, I'm going to go, okay, because we've been talking about recently, uh, a good old-fashioned ice cream sundae. Damn, a hot fudge With hot sundae. fudge. Come on. They need to come through with that more often. With, like the old fancy like glass. Wow, I'm, I'm really What's an app you can't live without? app i can't live without uh maps especially in la blue or black ink black as of right now la or new york as of right now la but man i can't wait to go back for work i'm i think about it a lot and i'm really excited yeah uh what's a city you really want to visit chicago oh that's easy can make that happen for sure. Uh, but if that were to be out of the country, it would be Melbourne. Mm. Nailed him. Nailed him. Uh, what's your favorite scent? Um, in scent form, in like perfume form, uh, tobacco. In actuality, definitely not my favorite scent. What's your favorite TV show of the last that you've watched in the last five years? Breaking Bad. So cool. What's something that you want every person listening to know right now? What do you want to leave people with? I love my wife. Aw, I love you too. That's very cute. And uh, I'm very happy you let me clunk along in doing this because <laughs> I feel very silly. Not silly at all. But this is great practice for me, too, because I, I know this will not be the last podcast I'm on. Nope. So I get to get a little bit of practice. Yep. Thanks for doing this, babe. Thank you. Friends, thank you so much for tuning into the Blank Page Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to the show, rate, review. And if you've got a creative friend that you think could benefit from these conversations, let them know about it. Spread the word. Let's create a community where we're lifting each other up, inspiring each other to keep going, and supporting each other through the shitty times. Keep getting after it this week. You are so worthy of your dreams. I believe in you, and I want you to keep going. Let me know if there's any way that I can support you in your journey, and thank you so much for being in this space. Love you.